Hi, I am Tingen, and this is the Parents in Tech podcast. In this special collaboration series with Microsoft, I speak with Microsoft leaders on the parent-career connection, how they balance career and family goals and make it all work. In this episode, I speak with Xiao Kun, public sector lead in Singapore. Xiao Kun is a mom to four boys. Hey, Seokun, welcome to the Parents in Tech podcast. Super excited to have you on the show. To begin with, could you tell us a bit more about your family? Hey, hi, Chingen, and good day to the audience here. Thank you for having me. My family, wow, where do I start, right? Because I have got four grown-up boys. They have been playing rugby for many years, right? So they're all very bulky ruggers. My husband is my Minister of Home Affairs. So he is also a rugby coach and he's coaching primary school. So that is my family. And I have a cat at home too. So he will consider part as a family, uh, something that my husband always screams at when the cat really all the furs get flying around the house. But it's the cat that the boys adore. You know, when they come home, they will just hug him. His name is Tofu because he's quite in colour. Yeah. So that makes up my family structure for now. I love that. It's such a colourful and entertaining family with a cat called Tofu. <laughs> so, I mean, I have to ask, Yaokun, right? Uh, having four yeah. children, especially, I guess, in today's context, it's definitely a larger than average kind of family size. How do you go about dealing with it? I think that's probably the number one question, the number one reaction people have, right? How do you handle it as a working mom? Yeah, I think I will first say as a Christian myself, right, it's always God's grace and providence to help me through. And then giving me four lovely sons is really a blessing and never regret, never look back. But back to how I, I went through my journey, I think very important is the support structure in Singapore. I think in Singapore, we are blessed because we are a very hmm. tightly knitted nation, right? So our family are always around us. So I have very good support from my in-laws and my parents, right? So when the kids are young, imagine every morning we'll just put them in car seat and then, you know, take two of them in the earliest days to my mother-in-law's house, put the two there, right. and then two of us goes to work. So as the more children come about, then my mother-in-law and my parent, my father-in-law come over to my place and stay with me to help me to look after the four of them. So I think the support structure is so very important. But as the boys grow older, I think one thing we realize is then technology comes into play because in my house, if you come over, I have a lot of vacuum cleaners. Okay. Okay. So automation, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we just automate. You've got Xiaomi, you've got iRobot, you've got different brands automation. we got oven steamer, we got very high-end washing machine because imagine the loads, dryers and stuff. So I think technology comes into play. So as the boys go into schooling age and as I progress in my career with the tech company, I think the flexibility that the tech company offers me, especially right now in Microsoft, right, is the ability to really embrace hybrid work in all we do. So in Microsoft, we have this term called free dimension, uh, F-R-E-E. That's where you can choose where you want to work, when you want to work, how you want to work and also where and how you want to live and play, right? So I think that gives us the flexibility of being there for the family and being there for work as well. So that's one important, how Microsoft embraced, you know, free dimension of work. And you may also ask, right, sometimes we talk about when you give employees that ability to really manage their work and their home life balance, right? Mm. How does this come about? on the empowerment side, right? So I think in Microsoft, we really look at 
the values that we inculcate with employees and every one of us, right? And the values that we have are really respect. We respect each and every employee, who they are, the background. And, and we, you know, don't really practice rank and file right? It's respect. We're all peers. Then number two, we look at it is integrity, how they do their work. We expect everybody to uphold very high integrity. So that's yeah. why we are able to empower them to do the work that they need to do, right? I think the third part is also equally important is how we ensure that everybody has the accountability to deliver the outcome that the company expects them to do. Again, three-dimensional work, but anchored on Microsoft value to make sure that everybody contribute and everybody need to know what they are doing. Got it. I think it really helps when everyone has this aligned set of principles and values to operate from. But I want to get to the hard-hitting question, Xiaokun. Okay. <laughs> Along the past two-plus decades of you being a mom, yeah. has the thought of you mm. leaving your career to focus back at home, focus on a family, has that ever come across your mind? Actually, a very good question. It did not predominantly because I have a very supportive husband, right? So we had a lot of discussion when the kids were growing up. And because there are four boys, and we make a decision that one parent has to stay at home. And the decision was then, my husband will take that big, I would say sacrifice, but take the big burden and responsibility of being the parent to stay with the boys, right? It was not easy for him, but it was, in fact, an easier discussion that we had based on the circumstances then. So it never really crossed my mind to stop and look after the children. I think I also, in other interviews that I had with other companies, right, I think the stereotype that sometimes we think that women has been the one who stay at home, who will give up our career and manage the children, I think that stereotype should never been there, right? I think it always has been, at that point in time, who should be the best person to actually look after the children at that situation. But I will say this, I advocate if circumstances and financially, you know, a family can afford, it's very good to have one parent to look after the children almost full time. Absolutely. And I 100% agree with you about the gender stereotype, right? Like why does it always have to be the mum, at least in these stereotypes, to be the one to take the step back? Ultimately, both are just equal partners, right? Husband and wife. And it's really a matter of each family has its own circumstances. And depending on who the right person might be, um, it should be. So it's very, very encouraging and very glad to see that you have that support and both of you aligned on that. You know, speaking of, of, of that, right, as you grow in the organization, I'm sure, you know, your responsibilities increase, the people who look to you for leadership increase. How do you think about balancing being present back at home, you know, your, what, what, what your family needs, along with that growing responsibilities and leadership role that you now have? Yeah, I will share right now, maybe at this point in time, I always tell my team, right? So my working persona, Selkun working persona, is that I'm a servant leader, right? I come here to serve. I come here to enable and empower all the team in works with me to thrive, right? Whether thrive in the personal life and thrive in the corporate world, right? So I think the same mindset, actually, I do practice at home, right? Because my children, as they grow up, they are my precious child, but they're also my friend, right? So a lot of times, I also believe when God places them in my hand, I'm here to nurture and upbring them with the right moral compass in their life, right? So it's also, in a way, being a servant leader to my children, to how I enable them, how I empower them, 
to be the right person, you know, to be Christ-like in what they do in life. But I think that is what I can give them, and then prayerfully they will be able to survive <laughs> in this world and be able to independent when mommy and daddy is long gone, right? Are long gone. Yeah, definitely. I think inculcating those values and really being that empowering servant leader is inspiring. So the one question I want to ask, ask Xiaokun, right, also because Microsoft has this freedom dimension, it's uh, we still are in an Asian culture where sometimes yeah. FaceTime matters, right? So say, for example, yeah. a team has five people, the three people who are, say, in office tends to, of course, have a lot more banter, a lot more informal conversations uh, as yeah. compared to, let's say, the other two who are working from home working virtually how do you think about that how do you try to enable like a fair and inclusive environment for everyone given that everyone is at different points of their career their family lives okay so there's uh, quite a few dimensions to answer that question but maybe talk about what we have structured in microsoft well well the program structure with microsoft in working with the people in the hybrid world right so we have this thing um as manager we have an agreement with the team on how often do we need to be present in office? What's the flexibility that they can, you know, in, in like I say, the free dimension of work, right? So my agreement with my team is we're going to have a team meeting every month and everybody needs to show up. It's a face-to-face -face team meeting. And that's very good reason you can't come. So that's where we see each other face-to-face. -face. And then other than the team meeting, I have regular check-in. Right? I make sure that we check in regularly with each of the employee, you know, whether my direct report and, and the team below my direct yep. report. So that is something that we intentionally do and we do it as part of right now our DNA in this new hybrid structure, right? So that's one. The other thing that is also important to say that we have got the technology that sometimes you know, give us a nudge to say, hey, you know, you did not have that one-to-one -one connect with that employee of yours for three weeks now, you know, it's time to schedule. So we call it Viva, lah, Microsoft Viva. I'm, I'm not trying to advertise our technology, but those technology are available so, you know, it nudges us that I, I did not have one-to-one -one time with my employee and also nudges me to say, hey, Xiao Kun, you have been disturbing your employee outside of the office hour, right? It sometimes tell me, you have, oh, wow. okay. yeah, talking to your team outside of the office hour 50% this week is something that you need to rethink, huh? yeah, right? So I would say both the intentionality of checking in, making sure that we have an agreement to meet them face-to-face and also, how do we incorporate technology to help us to also have that regulate, uh, I mean, connect with them so that we don't lose touch. It's very easy to lose touch because one thing that Microsoft also enables, if your job don't require you to come to office, actually, we are perfectly all right for you to deliver the outcome, you know, where you are. And, and some of the team members, in fact, have to spend maybe two months away from Singapore because they have some family requirement and they work outside of Singapore. But as long as they deliver, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. And I'm curious, is there software available? Because I think that's something that's real, right? Often managers, leaders, they get passionate, they get excited, or work gets done. But I think even having a tracker to say, hey, you know, X percent of the time you have been communicating outside of hours, it's just a good reminder. I'm curious, is that already available? I might already try to use it. Absolutely, mainstream software is available okay. under our Microsoft 365. Okay. So that's at the <laughs> workplace. Now let's come back home. Now, Xiaokun, you have mentioned a bit about the technology mm. setup you have at home. What is perhaps one or two pieces of technology that have been incredible in terms of helping you to be productive and focus on the things that really matter? Okay, I would say really the, those robot vacuum is 
definitely very helpful. Right, I program then nine o'clock every day so that we all leave home, right? You know, if I just run by itself. And you can't imagine, I have actually got four at home for a thousand four square feet um, apartment. There were four robots at home, each of them focusing on different area of the home. So that's one. Second thing that I also invested, okay, this is more chit chat, right? <laughs> invested on a very high end ironing system. Mm. Okay, and that ironing system actually helped me to probably reduce my ironing time by about 50%. Wow. I would say I don't have a helper. I mean, I don't have a helper at home, right? Oh, so, you don't have a helper at home. Wow. Yeah, That's so incredible. I think we, we automate. So the, the, <laughs> the ironing system that I invested helps me to reduce, I mean, improve my productivity, reduce time to iron, right? And then things like the dryer and everything, we just wash and I throw in the dryer. I don't have to hang the clothes and yep. all this kind of yep. thing. All these little things helps. And then air fryer, steam oven, and all this, right? The timer, you just push it in, and then, pong, it come out, you can, the food is eatable. So little tips and tricks like that helps me mm, in my life. Definitely. And I think this is incredible. I'm curious, did this already start, like, from way back, or was it something that's a bit more recent? It started from way back, but I would also openly confess, as we get a bit more affluent, right? Because you progress, then the, the equipment get more sophisticated. Uh -huh. So we invested in simple ones. Yep. The job at that level, right now, you know, you buy more sophisticated yep. one, you can better function. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I, it seems like, of course, you're someone who embraces technology, who spends the time to get it right, to do your research. So let's talk about the area of parenting, right? Uh, what are some of the areas where you have been curious about before? It was sort of like a research, a discovery, experimental journey. Maybe we'd love to hear one or two stories around that. But I say, very blessed with the four boys, but one thing that also interests me a lot as I was in my earlier days, uh, Sunday school teaching in churches, in my church and stuff like that. I, I'm always very interested in special needs uh, children. Right? That has always been my interest, but I haven't really nurturing that interest until much later in my life when my boys are grown up and, and I thought of something that I need to do for myself. So recently I just signed up for a diploma to look at disability studies. Okay, so I, I might really want to understand the kind of challenges that special needs children has, and my interest area is really looking at how technology can help these special needs children to have some form of equity in their life. So this is something that, if you ask me, not so much my direct parenting of my children, but as an adult and looking at special needs uh, children, that's something that I'm passionate about right now. Wow, and taking the effort to sign up for something, to pursue it, even though you have already been so successful in your career and your, your kids are all grown up, I think that really reflects the idea of constantly learning, right? So I guess also on that, that topic, we'd love to hear broadly, how has parenting evolved over the past two decades? Now, of course, I know this is a pretty broad question, but what stands out to you immediately as I say that? Okay, I, I think it's going to be probably triggering some... I may have an audience who listen to violently agree or violently disagree. I, I'm not sure, right? But of course, when we say spare the rod, spoil the child, right? So when my kids were younger, I, I'm just thinking, you know, as, as a parent, there were times that my husband has to be the discipline, has to be the discipline master to actually take out the rod, you know, and, and really... Um, I think institute certain discipline with the boys, right? 
But gone are the days because right now, even in school, the teachers are not even allowed to take a small ruler and hit the child's hand. You, you know, you will get parents going to certain authority and give feedback that my child is being caned in school or just a tap on with a ruler. I think that is the part where I personally find it amusing or what because I'm of certain age, my child all grown up. But, but I think that was a big change I saw, right? I, I felt that is that a good thing? It's not a good thing. I think it's up for debate because it depends on the situation. But I think that transition where we don't really discipline our child a, a more serious way and hard way is something that I think could be done better. That's one. The other thing I felt that we actually really don't give the children nowadays playtime and me time because my kids do not have any tuition until they were primary school because they went to a very established boys' school that don't do well in Chinese, so I have to send them for Chinese tuition. Yeah, you probably can imagine which yep, yep. school, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> my children yep. then, uh, but right now as I look, a lot of children doesn't have the me time, you know, maybe going for classes, going for training is their, it's part of their, you know, I don't know, development and stuff. But I just feel that the kids today don't have their free time to themselves to do what they want to do. So something that, well, whether it's a right or wrong thing, again, yeah. up for debate, but this is one more thing I see also a big yeah. change. Yeah. No, I, I'm so glad you raised that up because I personally feel that way. Both my parents are in academia, so when I was brought up, it was nonstop, right? Either homework, studying, tuition, whatever. But I think, yeah, truly being able to just give that that me time, that freedom to, to, to explore, I think it's just so important, especially when children are young, which is in my case. So yeah, glad to get validation on that. Well, so good. we talked a bit about like, I guess the stick part of the carrot and stick, but let's talk a bit about carrot, right? Like things like, you know, rewarding, things like encouragement. What are some of the things you have learned around that in a family context and also in a work context in terms of how do you reward, how do you encourage people in an effective way, so to speak? So I think in a family context, right, I always have to remind myself when my children has tried their best, yeah, they have an outcome, I will always praise them, whether verbally give them a hug, you know, give them a pat on the cheek, or maybe it's like you say, a reward with a nice meal, you know, with an outing and stuff like that. I think those carrots are important, right, but don't be excessive. I think a constant giving praises, rewarding, and all those small rewards, I think it matters. But um, I say don't be excessive. But I, I do know parents who buy iPhone and stuff, you know, because the son got 100 marks and stuff. I'm not that range. I don't go there, right? So, so that is what I do at home. Even when the kids are right now grown up, you know, I also practice that because we keep very open communication. Sometimes, you know, they tell me what they did in school and certain things that they did a good presentation. I would say, well done. I think, you know, we discuss our presentation, the style, the content and stuff, and then we'll give them praises and stuff. So, so that's important. And then drawing that parallel to work, employees also would appreciate constant feedback. And that's where I feel like a servant leader, right? We also need to understand each of the employee very well. Like I take time to understand my teams, whether they are father, whether they are caregiver, you know, whether they're son and all this kind of understand different aspects of their life and be able to really work very closely and help them to 
again, thrive in the organization. Right? So constantly giving them the feedback, giving them praises, giving them thumbs up. And good thing that technology right now is very embracing, right? So again, back to Microsoft technology, there are times where in an email, we can reply with a emoji, a heart and a thumbs up. We don't have to write anything, right? And I think a thumbs up and a heart and a smiley face, you know, everybody will enjoy it, right? And, and it doesn't take a lot of effort to do that. Yeah. So that is something that I think is good to practice. Absolutely. The small things that I commensurate, I think, with the reward and no need to be extravagant about it. I think that's that's definitely very sound advice. That's so good. I think, you know, you carry so much wisdom and so much experience, both at home and in the workplace. And I understand that in your current role, you do have a front row seat to public policy, right? So what's kind of something that more leaders should stop doing to just foster the kind of inclusiveness, the kind of thoughtfulness that you have? So I, I would probably give a recognition to, I think, the various agencies within the government, right? Because the whole thing about uh, making sure that we are a inclusive nation, I think there's a lot of effort that's put into it, right? In IMDA, for example, the Digital for Life um, initiative, right? It's really looking at how you can use um, technology to bridge digital divide. They look at the civil generation, they look at the younger generation, they look at the people that's coming out from universities and they address to all walks of life. But I think one thing that I mentioned about my passion, I felt that that is probably one area that we still need to double down a little bit more is how do we right now look at people with special needs, whether are they children, whether they are grown adult and be able to actually look at how technology can bridge that digital divide and help them to be more, we, we can include them in more the mainstream society and don't just leave them as a separate group by itself. So I know um, in, in Parliament there has been discussion about, you know, how do we embrace people with special requirements, special needs in the mainstream. So Hopefully, we will see more of that uh, coming up. Definitely. And I think also people like yourself, leaders at the workplace, also play a very critical role, right? In terms of the day-to-day -day of how you manage your team, how you enable them. So maybe we'd love to hear, I guess, oh, for, for your team, right? How do you really encourage them to think about work-life balance? Or I guess what some people call work-life integration. There's a lot of talk whether is it really balanced, is it integration? And some people do also ask, is there ever to a work life, right? <laughs> is that, you know, how do we draw? But I would say for every of my team member is to really understand where they are in their point in life, right? Like I mentioned, like yourself, for example, you have two young girls, right? And your probably focus could be that I need to be financially very strong because I need to earn as much as I can. I need to provide for the children's education, you know, how they grow up and stuff, right? And for another colleague, you know, who has very aged parents, right? Her focus is how do I actually balance and have time to look at after my parents who have got, you know, both physical and, you know, some ailment that you need to take care of. And then I've got colleagues who just needed to take time off because they felt that they are just quite burnt out in, in a lot of things that they are doing. So I think the need to understand each of them, what state of career they're in, what requirements they have in their life, and then work with them to say how best to help them to thrive in the context, right? So I think one thing that Microsoft provides is a lot of ability to get third-party support whether it's a bit healthcare, it's a mental wellness, 
and also the ability to integrate our technology to work from home, right? And uh, you'll be also, um, you know, if you use a phone, your mobile phone, and put Microsoft technology inside, you literally can forget about your laptop, you know, and anything else, and you can work very well on a mobile device. I think that's how pervasive and I would say the user experience of using our technology in different device will help our employee also in different settings that they do not have to have always have the laptop, even if they are at a caregiving facility looking after the parents, they are still contactable, they are still productive just using the device. So, so different spectrum of accommodation that we give to each of every employee to make sure that they thrive again in the corporate world is what I always focus in doing. That's so nice, right? And I think it's so great to be at a place where you not only have the tools to make that happen, you don't only have the technology to make that happen, but you are in fact building that technology and also offering it to others beyond your organization. So I'm sure that must be a very rewarding kind of experience. So Xiaokun, tell me a bit more about your current role in a technology company, but in a public policy capacity. What excites you the most today? Hey, thanks, Chingan. So my, my role in Microsoft, I lead the whole public sector team. And, and you know, I always say that when you're in public sector serving the agencies, you always have to serve with passion for the betterment of the nation. So, so I think you probably have heard so much about, you know, AI and uh, uh, machine learning, you know, in the press lately. And that's what I would say the latest excitement that we have with my team in Microsoft, right? So I, I think where we want to focus is how do we help our agency, help Singapore as a whole to really leverage on, you know, the latest and newest technology like AI and you heard about ChatGBT, where Min Jo Tio talk about how, you know, leveraging on such technology, we can increase the accessibility of government service, right? To all the citizens, whether it's a civil servants or citizen at large, who are less technology savvy, and ChatGPT can actually bridge, you know, that divide where people who really know nothing about technology but can use ChatGPT in natural language to really seek, I would say, services or reply to their queries. I thought this is a real potential that we can uh, tap upon to for the betterment of the civil service and the citizens. Right. And, and in other areas that Microsoft has done well as well is the passion that I spoke about earlier, right? How do we use technology to work with agency for the, um, the people with special requirements? In the recent case, we did work with NLP to uh, incorporate some of our technology, such as immersive reader, where they use AI-powered technology to help people who are probably visually impaired who can actually read aloud the information and content on the website and that will help them to really understand and learn more and really progress in their learnings, right? So that's one area that we are very passionate about working with uh, National Library Board. I mentioned earlier Digital for Life. Well, we work very closely with IMDA. We look at um, working with the healthcare uh, colleagues to launch digital, digital clinic, how the civil generation can use such a digital clinic, especially during the COVID period, to still get the level of care that they need. And uh, we also really work also with other um, healthcare agencies by volunteering to help the, again, senior citizens to look at how they can 
use their device as uh, access apps in their device for different government uh, services, such as healthcare services. Wow, that sounds like a very exciting kind of space to be in, especially because it's really about, like you said, using technology to overcome these barriers. Yep. Um, and really excited to see what will come out of this. And keep tuning in. You know, Microsoft has a lot more to offer in the next couple of years. Well, I can't wait to see what y'all will have. Yeah, thank you. This has been a really, really interesting conversation, Xiao Kun. To kind of wrap up our time today, what is one lesson you have learned as a parent in tech? I want to be joked, but none of my children went into tech. So one lesson maybe I learned is that, you know, they all probably felt that mommy, either my job is not that interesting, that they didn't pursue that as a career. But joke aside, one lesson that I learned in tech as a parent I'll say to all parents out there, tech is an enabler, right? It helps us to do our job well. It helps us to, in fact, aid us in parenting, right? I mean, you know, all the technology that's available in Microsoft. And one thing I actually want to shout out, and you heard my so-called interest in special needs, right? And I want to say that with Microsoft technology, all parents who have special requirement child can actually benefit a lot in using what Microsoft can do. Right. Microsoft has technology to actually help people with visual impairment, you know, hearing impairment. And also one area that is close to my heart is really neurodiversity. How do we help children with ADHD, with uh, autism to actually be able to integrate more in the mainstream school and society with technology? So I think as a parent, look at technology as an enabler to help your child at different stages of their life and even at different development you know, cycle of their life. Right? So this is why I love tech, I love technology, because it is not only enabling revenue generating work productivity. I think the other part of that of tech is really how do you bridge digital divide? How do you bring in different people with different needs and make them be included you know, in the society, yeah. feel included in the society? Yeah, building something that really is inclusive. And I think this applies at home just as much as in the workplace, right? Everyone has very unique needs, is in very different positions. But I think what stands out is how you take the time to really invest to get to know each one of them, whether it's your sons, your husband, or even at the workplace, the people whom you work with. This has been a really nice conversation, Xiao Kun. Thank you so much for taking time off to speak with us. If our audience would like to connect with you, how can they do so? Well, I think they can always look me up in LinkedIn. You probably will publish my name. Yeah. Yes, I will. I will. I will. Okay, LinkedIn is the place to connect yeah. with you. Thank you so much, Xiaokun. And we really, really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thank you, Chingen. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Chingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.